Hey folks, I'm Harlan and I'm going to tell you a story. Some say that I made it all up, but I'm telling you that it's all true. You can believe it or not, but I'm sticking with it. I'm just a country boy who happened into a situation. I don't doubt it a bit that you would have handled things as well or probably better than I did, but there I was and someone wanted to do something. It's just like my grandpa told me every chance he got, when the gun gets run, you have to do what you have to do. So I did. Let me tell you what happened and then you can decide for yourself. Did it really happen or am I just full of it? I've lived down the one lane road off the highway all my life. It's pretty much what you might expect. An old farmhouse where my grandpa was a boy and my folks and four brothers called home. I won't go on about that since that's not the story I am telling you. Even so, home is a place where you can get some good air and raise some hell now and then. If you know, you know and if not, I sure don't have time to educate you about being a country boy. I'll just leave it at that. I still don't what got to me but one Tuesday morning I got it in my head that I needed to pack up and take the train to the big city to find out what that was all about. So that's what I did and there's where the story starts. As I stepped off the train, I found this surrounded by towering skyscrapers and honking cars. The noise and frenetic pace of the city were overwhelming at first, but eventually, I grew accustomed to it. The city was alive, filled with a cacophony of sounds, cars, buses, and taxis honking their horns, people chatter in a way in different languages, construction sites, and street performances. The sites were equally intoxicating, towering buildings with neon lights, busy markets full of people pushing their way through the crowds, and street food stands with their vibrant colors and irresistible smells. I started my day by wandering through the busy streets, taking in the sights and sounds of the city. I marveled at the department stores with their gleaming windows and the street performers who captivated crowds with their performances. I saw huge billboards advertising everything from cars to clothes to the latest gadgets. As I continued my exploration, I passed through different neighborhoods, each with its unique vibe and personality. I saw people from all walks of life, each with their own story to tell. I heard different languages being spoken and ate food from different cultures. As the sun started to set, I realized that I had never felt so alive. The city had awakened something inside me, and I knew I wasn't ready to leave just yet. So instead, I found a small apartment to rent for a few weeks, and continued my exploration of the city. For the next few weeks, I continued discovering new things, meeting new people, and learning about different cultures. I ate at Michelin starred restaurants and tiny street food stalls. I visited museums, galleries, and music festivals. I even tried my hand at salsa dancing, something I had never done before. Eventually, my time in the city came to an end. But just as I was preparing to go home, I noticed some odd happenings in the last neighborhood I visited. I did not understand their significance, but knew I should stick around to better understand this unusual activity. I had noticed something strange happening in the last neighborhood I visited. People were whispering in hushed tones, and the normally bustling streets were really quiet. I tried to ask around to understand what was happening, but no one seemed willing to talk. Curiosity gnawed at me, and I knew I couldn't leave until I figured out what was going on. After asking around, I stumbled upon a small store with a handwritten sign that read, open for business. Curiosity peeped. I entered the store and was surprised to see people huddled in corners or gathered around a small radio, listening intently. 
It soon became clear that something big was happening. The city had been hit by an unexpected natural disaster, and this neighborhood was the center of the relief efforts. The people I saw were volunteers working tirelessly to provide food, water, and shelter to the many victims affected. My heart swelled with admiration for these kind-hearted people, and I knew I had stumbled upon something special. I just rolled up my sleeves and decided to contribute however I could. Over the next few days, I worked alongside the volunteers, handing out food and supplies to those in need. I hauled heavy boxes, filled up water bottles, and even cooked meals for the volunteers. As the neighborhood slowly began to recover, I felt a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment that I had never known before. I felt like I had found a sense of purpose, something that was missing from my life before I came to the city. I realized that there was so much more to life than just my own needs and wants. As the relief effort began to wind down, I knew I had found something special. I had discovered a part of caring that I never knew existed, and I didn't want to leave it behind. So instead of heading back home, I decided to stay on for a while longer, to continue working with the volunteers, to learn more about the city, and to find new ways to help others in need. My decision to stay marked the beginning of a new chapter in my life, one filled with kindness, compassion, and empathy towards others. But from my perspective a couple of very odd incidents got me to feeling like there was more going on than anyone knew. I was developing a sense that the disaster and the bad situation and causes that were definitely not natural are just one of those things. As I continued to work with the relief effort volunteers, I began to notice some strange occurrences that piqued my curiosity. I saw some people in the neighborhood who were very detached and did not seem to be adversely affected by the disaster at all. I also noticed that some areas of the relief effort seemed to be less transparent about where their aid was coming from and how it was being distributed. These incidents led me to feel like there was more going on than what met the eye. I began quietly investigating, asking questions and doing some digging. Through my inquiries, I stumbled upon some information that led me to suspect foul play. There were rumors of people taking advantage of the disaster for their own gain, and even whispers of corruption and illegal activity. As I continued my investigation, I became more and more convinced that the relief effort was being manipulated by some individuals for their own gain. I saw that some people were hoarding supplies, that aid wasn't being distributed fairly, and that many were being left out in the cold. I knew that I had to do something to help happened into the spirit of community that I had seen during the immediate aftermath of the disaster, I rallied the volunteers, and together we began to organize a more transparent and fair distribution of aid. We set up a system where everyone who had been affected could have equal access to resources, and made transparency and accountability a top priority. As the relief effort began to get back on track, I continued to investigate and uncovered more information that I shared with the authorities, leading to a crackdown on the corrupt individuals responsible for hoarding aid and taking advantage of the disaster. I suspected there were powers and people in the community that wanted to stop me and there were a couple of incidents that I was sure were precipitated by my investigation. As I continued my investigation, I found out that there was a group of powerful individuals in the city who had set up a fake charity organization to siphon off funds meant for the disaster relief effort. They were hoarding the supplies and selling them at exorbitant prices to those in need, leaving many stranded and with no access to life-saving resources. 
I discovered this information by talking to volunteers and victims, investigating the distribution channels of the resources, and gathering information on the charity organizations working in the area. Initially, my inquiries went unnoticed, but as I got closer to revealing the true nature of the criminal activity, tensions began to rise. I noticed some people following me, and there were instances where I felt that my phone and computer were being monitored. As the investigation gained momentum, there were incidents that confirmed my suspicions that people were following me. One night, I was attacked and left with injuries, which made me realize the danger I was facing. I knew I had to be more careful and take extra precautions as I continued with my investigation. Despite receiving threats, I continued to push on, determined to get to the bottom of the criminal activity and expose those responsible. I began to believe that the criminal element had some way caused the disaster that precipitated all of the aid and resources coming into the community. I was pretty sure that they were injured and people intentionally and doing other criminal things to assure that the need for the relief funding continued. The stakes suddenly went off the chart when my best friend was seriously injured and the threatening became extreme. As my investigation continued, I began to suspect something even more sinister was at play. I had gathered enough evidence to suggest that the criminal element had engineered the disaster that had brought so much aid and resources into the community. They had created the situation they were now profiting from. I, with the help of my team, began to collect more definitive evidence that could incriminate the culprits behind the disaster. As I delved deeper, I discovered that the criminal organizations had been using violent tactics to keep their nefarious activities a secret. There were several instances of people who had spoken out against them being physically and emotionally threatened. My best friend, who had been helping me with my investigation, was brutally attacked and left fighting for his life. The attack made me realize that we were getting closer to exposing their secret, and the culprits are willing to stop and nothing to silence us. The attack made my investigation even more perilous, and I knew I had to be extremely cautious in my operation. I couldn't trust anyone, and I was always looking over my shoulder. As the situation became more critical, I had to rely on my team and allies to protect them and to bring to light the activities of the criminal organizations running the disaster relief effort. At times, the threat to my life was so great that I considered abandoning my investigation, but I knew deep down that I couldn't let them get away with their nefarious activities. As shocking as it was, I discovered that the ringleader of the conspiracy was actually one of the most effective volunteers. This was a devastating realization for me, since I had developed a great deal of trust in the individual. Despite this shock, I continued my investigation, gathering evidence that showed the direct link of the ringleader to the criminal conspiracy's key players. I knew I had to act fast before the opportunity to expose the conspiracy passed. Just as I was preparing to confront the ringleader, a horrific incident occurred that threatened my life and the community itself. A powerful explosion rocked the relief center, sending shrapnel and debris in every direction. I was caught in the blast and knocked unconscious. As I awoke, I realized that the explosion had caused significant damage and casualties to the relief effort. The evidence that I had gathered was destroyed, and many of my team members were either injured or missing. It was also clear that the explosion was not a random accident, but instead a deliberate attack intended to silence my investigation. I realized that the ringleader of the conspiracy, who I had planned to confront, was responsible for sabotaging the investigation and causing the explosion. 
As I struggled to gather evidence against the criminal conspiracy and bring its members to justice, I received help from an unexpected source, a whistleblower within the criminal organization. Through the whistleblower's information and assistance, I was able to confirm my suspicions and gather the evidence I needed. With the evidence in hand, my team and I were finally able to take down the criminal organization, bringing much needed justice to the community. With the immediate crisis resolved, my team and I realized that we needed to take steps to prevent another explosive incident from happening again. We worked to improve the security of the relief operation and gain control of the distribution of aid, ensuring that resources were being allocated in a fair and equitable manner. As we worked to rebuild the community, we also forged new alliances within the city, joining with other groups and individuals who shared our values and goals. Together, we formed a powerful coalition that had the power to effect positive change in the area. With the help of my allies, I was able to secure funding for more long-term disaster relief projects aimed at rebuilding the community and providing support to those who have been most affected by the disaster. Through my persistence in building relationships with unlikely allies, I was able to make a real difference in the lives of countless individuals in the community. I am told that my story has become a symbol of hope and inspiration, showing that even in the darkest of times, we can still come together to make the world a better place. I sure don't know about that inspiration stuff. I leave all of that to the preacher and the football coach. I did tell my story to Grandpa. He raised an eyebrow and I shrugged and told him that I just did what I needed to do. That got me a thumbs up from him. Now, I can tell you for sure that's as good as it gets for a country boy.